Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. We are wrapping up a series called Lessons on the Lake. And I pray that all of you guys have gotten um, the urge to go fishing on Saturdays, not Sundays. But I will say, if you fish anything like the disciples, you're going to be thoroughly disappointed unless Jesus is with you in the boat. But we are in John chapter 21, and we referenced this section of scripture right at the beginning where um, we talked about how Jesus did a miracle in Peter's boat. When he called him, he multiplied the fish. And then at the end, and he reaffirmed Peter, he did another miracle and he multiplied the fish. And then he asked Peter, do you love me more than these? And and we're actually going to pick up that conversation. So Jesus just got done asking Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you. And so in verse 18, we're picking up that conversation, and this is what Jesus said to Peter. He says, very truly I tell you, and just a little Bible study note, as you read the Word of God on your own, whenever Jesus drops these bombs, like very truly I tell you, very truly I tell you, in those moments, we need to pay attention, because number one, Every word that flowed out of Jesus' mouth is true. It's 100% true. But this is Jesus' way of emphasizing something. And he's talking to Peter, the apostle, and he's emphasizing this statement that he's about to give. And honestly, it's not necessarily good news. In fact, it's just, this is like the, this is horrible news. Like, he reaffirms Peter, and then he gives him horrible news. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourselves and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Isn't that an interesting that's interesting. Can, can we go back to scripture? Um, go back one more. I, I, I want to read it. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourselves and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Period. Follow me. That's how, that's how Peter would have heard it. He would have heard how he was going to die. Then Jesus said, follow me. Why did Peter die? You know why he fought? You know why Peter died? Anyone want to stab at it? Because he followed Jesus. Follow me. Let's keep going. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. So Peter and Jesus were walking along the lake of Jacinarat or the Sea of Galilee. 
And Peter hears Jesus say, you will die, follow me. Not just any death, like you will be crucified. Like when we, when we read this scripture, we're like, where do you get crucifixion out of that? Well, you got to understand, Jesus is talking to a first century Jew, and Jesus literally was the first one out of the, you know, the kingdom to be crucified. And a first century Jew, which was ruled by Rome, would have understood what he was saying. So if you, if you just want to break it down, like, if you look at Jesus' crucifixion, he was led where he didn't want to go because he was a prisoner. He was clothed in clothes that he didn't want to wear. Um, and then he was, like, he, he was led, he carried his own cross to the place of death. And then what it means to stretch out your arms, this, they would have known what that means because when you crucify someone, they, they stretch their arms out. But like, that's as far as I can go. Like, that's as far as I can stretch. But what they do is they stretch you about six more inches. Like they, they hook a rope around your hand and then they stretch you. Like you're dislocated in the shoulder, muscles are torn, and they stretch you and then they nail you to a cross. So Peter would have, in an average Jewish lifetime, they would have seen hundreds of people crucified. Because Rome, when they went in to, to conquer lands, they would take all the rebels and they would crucify them along major fairways. They would just crucify them and line the roads like every quarter mile with a crucified person. So the Jews, mentally, they would be walking down and see, and it would, it would, they would have their crime above them, um, insurgent, re rebel, or whatever. And so it, would, the Ro it was Rome's policy to do this to keep people from rebelling. So Peter, in his lifetime, would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. Like, we hear this, like, lead where you don't want to go. It was like, is he married? You know, like... Is his wife going to kill him? But we, in our first, in our 21st century mind, like we, we see this, and, and Peter is hearing, like, I'm going to be crucified. And Jesus is telling me to follow him. And we know by biblical accounts that Peter was crucified. And, and he, was, he said, crucify me upside down. Because I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. And so Peter looks back at the disciple who is writing this down. I, I, I want you to see the rivalry here. John is recording this account. And look how John describes himself. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Like John is also the one that said that Peter and John ran to the tomb, but the other disciple got there first. There's this kind of rivalry between Peter and John throughout the gospel of John. And it's, 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 it's John's way of like, yeah, I was a favorite. I, you know, and th this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And, and Peter, Jesus and Peter are walking, and he turns around and sees John following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Like, I'm going to get crucified for following you. What about him? 
Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Everyone say, what is that to you? What is that to you? You must follow me. So, today, we're going to break down these five scriptures. And I want us to understand what Jesus did. What he just did for us. Have you ever got something that made a job so much easier? Like a tool, or I, I don't care what it is, like maybe a, like a slicer, like for the kitchen, like, uh, like a potato peeler. This makes it so easy to peel potatoes versus a regular knife. You know, something that, that makes it easier. Like you could still do it the other way, but it just, it's harder, and it's time-consuming, and then you get this one thing that makes doing whatever you're doing, like, night and day difference. It could be a chainsaw if you're cutting wood versus an axe. It could be anything. The, the other night, I'll give you an example. Amy and I, like, we love, we love outdoors. I, I think Amy was made for the outdoors. She is. She's more outdoorsy than me. I might look like a lumberjack with the flannel on, but I'm pretty sure she could stare at a tree and it would fall over because she, she loves the outdoors that much. Um, she's amazing. She could do everything I could do. I cannot do everything she can do. But we love the outdoors. And we used to always have a fire pit. We had the youth over. We always did fires after, um, after our kids went to bed. We, we would do fire pits. And when we moved here, we gave our fire pit away. And so we recently bought another fire pit. And so what I... And with that, I, I went and bought myself a giant axe to cut up some logs down here. And I realized that I am not in shape. You swing an axe that's like has a huge head on it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It, yeah. With all that said, it, it made me realize I need to get a chainsaw, Ames. Um, and, but we, we made a fire the other night. And on our, on our new fire pit, it has this crate around it, and it, it basically keeps stuff from floating off and landing on things. And I really like that because it, you know, we're, we're doing a fire pit in the middle of a neighborhood, so you don't want embers landing on someone's roof or garden or whatever. So um, it has a lid, and it, like, it, it's a cool little, little fire pit. And I love building fires. I love it. To me, it's, it, there's an art to building fire. You you get the kindling, you, you, and, and then you just you kind of stack it. And, and I, I just love the whole process of building fire. Um, it's probably the Royal Ranger in me that taught me how to build fire. I just, I just love it. I, I'm not a pyromaniac, even though I do have a flamethrower. Um, I don't use it for building fires, though. I feel like it's cheating. Um, I use gasoline. No, I'm joking. Um, no, I, 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 I just like the process of, of doing this. And, and part of it, though, is you get the embers going. And, and then you have the little kindling, the, the stuff that gets the, you, the initial fuel to the fire. And what you got to do is once you get the embers, you got to sit there and... Or, like, you know, the Bible says, Paul tells, Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the, the, the gifts and the anointing. Like, like he understands that this idea of 
putting air on fire makes the fire bigger. And so you, you get down real close and you blow into it. You And this the other night, though, I'm, I'm trying to do this and I have a fire going, but I know that if it doesn't go from this side of the fire to the other side of the fire, it's going to go out because I need to get it. And so I'm sitting there trying to blow it, but... There's this crate around my fire pit, and I can't get close enough to blow it hard enough, so I'm blowing like this far away from it through this stupid crate. And Amy's like, why did you take it off? I'm like, because I didn't think about it. It just literally it just lifts off. <laughs> Boom. Um, and I'm sitting there, and I'm down on all fours trying to blow into these embers, but I'm, I don't have the lung capacity I used to, and I'm getting lightheaded. I'm standing up. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, this is, just, this is stupid, just building a fire. And then it hit me. I have an air mattress pump. So I went and got that. And I turned it on. And by golly, it looked like it had a flamethrower under this stinking fire pit. It was like... Like, you would have thought I had a propane tank hooked up to this fire. It was going so good with this. And, and the right tools can make night and day difference, right? Like, within, like, it accelerated our fire pit. Like, I, it would have been like 20 or 30 more minutes before I could put logs on it. And here I am just after about a minute and going, <laughs> I'm putting logs on this thing. I'm like, I'm going to run out of wood. Like, it was, it was amazing because the right tools make all the difference in the world. Could I have got the fire blazing the way I was doing it? 100%. I've done it so many times. But it would have been much harder. It would have been more strenuous. And I might have passed out. Like, I was, like, getting so lightheaded. Amy's like, what are you doing with the extension cord? I'm like, I cannot blow on those embers. Another second. I am so lightheaded. And could I have done it? Probably. But I needed the right tools to fan into flame this, this flame. And, and what Jesus did, does for us in this section of scripture is he's giving us the right tools for following him. He gives us two statements. Follow me and you must follow me. In five verses, and, and whenever we read the Bible and there's re repetition, we need to pay attention. So Jesus takes and repeats. He says, you're going to die? Follow me. What is that to you? You follow me. You must follow me. And before each of these follow me statements, it's like he's giving us a tool to make following him so much easier. That... that if, if we implement what he's saying in our lives, following him is going to be the way he intends it. But so often, we don't even realize that we're not even using the tools that he's giving us. And what's so funny is Jesus addresses issues here without even saying the issue. But he is addressing something in Peter's life. So the, the first tool or issue that Jesus addresses is we must trust God regardless. If you want to follow God the way he intends for us to walk out our faith, that means we must 
Trust God regardless. That's it. Regardless. And I want you to understand what's happening. We kind of went through it already. But... Peter is being told, you are going to be crucified. The the whole conversation looks like this. If you go back and read it, Peter walks up on shore and Jesus says, bring me some of your fish. Peter runs back into the water. He grabs the net, 153 fish, Net's not broken. Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Talking about the fish, because he's a professional fisherman. And he says, Jesus, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? He says, Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And, says, and Peter was hurt that he asked him three times. He says, God, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And then we get into this right here. So he reinstates him. And then he says, you will be crucified for following me. Follow me. He tells him ahead of time how his life is going to end. What do we do with that? Like, God in his grace has not told us that. It's a mystery to us. Peter doesn't know when he'll get arrested. I I can only imagine throughout the book of Acts, every time Peter got arrested, he's probably thinking, this is it. I'm going to be crucified. This is that time. And then God would set him free. He has this over him his whole life. And the lesson, though, is this. We must trust God regardless of the outcome. We must trust God regardless of the circumstance. We must trust God regardless of how it's going to play out. We must trust God regardless of whether it's in our favor or not. We must trust God, period. In the story, if you want to follow God the way God wants us to follow him, is trust him regardless. Did the fact that Peter was going to get crucified change the calling on Peter's life? No. God still called him to be fishers of men. He still called him to follow him. It didn't change anything. When we trust and follow God regardless of circumstances, even the worst circumstances will glorify God. Like, think about what what he says. He straight tells Peter. In verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. A crucifixion. It's not the first crucifixion that glorified God. Jesus's was. Jesus, once again, never asked us to do something unless he did it already. Jesus already got crucified. He gave a glowing example. But when we trust and follow God, regardless of circumstance, regardless of outcome, regardless of how it plays out against us, even the worst circumstances will glorify God. Why? Because we're trusting God. Saying, God, I know that this is not about me. And the only way that can happen, the only way we can trust God like this, 
is to understand what Pastor Ben hit on last week. God's not here for us. We're here for God. We're here to serve and glorify his name, not the other way around. Does God want to do things in our life and bless us? 100%. Why? He's a loving father. And what father doesn't? But at the same time, we are creation and he's creator. We glorify him, not the other way around. But the cool thing is when you serve God like this, we get to share in his glory. When we trust God like this, we will not be able to trust and follow God completely if we think God exists for us. We can't. This is a, this is a great calling. Like, well, that was for Peter. That was a conversation, a private conversation between Jesus and Peter. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. It was. Whenever you read text, um, scripture, you got to understand that originally it was written to a different audience. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the principles still apply to our life. But let's look at a different section of scripture found in Luke chapter 9, 21 through 27. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. So he just got out of a conversation and Peter made this beautiful declaration, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Because Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter makes this declaration and, and, and Jesus says, God, the Father, revealed that to you. Not, not man. Then he says, don't tell anyone who I am. And then he says this, the son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said, he will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. His disciples are hearing this. And he's predicting his own death. This is just weeks leading up to his death. And, he, and, and, and he's, he's telling them, this is what's going to happen to me. And then he says this. Then he said to the crowd, so the disciples are there, and then there's a lot of followers, but there's not a lot of disciples. There's a difference between being a follower and being a disciple. And he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, most translations say disciple, you must turn away from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. The New Living Translation right there says, you must give up your own way. If you want to be my follower, you want to be my disciple, you must give up your own way. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. He was talking to the crowds. And I, I think that this is actually one of those sections of scripture that we can step back and say that directly applies to me. If there's a standard by which we follow Jesus, this is it. 
And when Jesus is saying, take up your cross, we cheapen that so much. Oh, that's my cross to bear. I, I one time I, I heard, I heard um, one of my teammates in high school um, when we were all getting our licenses, and this stuck out in my head. I still remember it as clear as day. But he got off the bus coming to school, and people were poking, because all of us were driving, and high schoolers are ruthless, and um, we are all kind of poking fun at him, hazing him a little bit. And I'm like, you still drive the bus? I thought you had your license and all this stuff. Or He didn't drive the bus. He rode the bus. Um, and he said, well, that's my cross to bear. He said that. And we all laughed. But how many of you guys heard something similar? Well, that's just my cross to bear. That's my cross to bear. Well, Jesus said, you got to die to yourself daily. Pick up your cross and follow me. Ooh. He's talking to first century Jews. In their lifetime, they'd probably see hundreds of people crucified on a cross. This was not a statement. And he's not, not just that, he's saying this right after telling the crowds that he was going to die, that he was going to be crucified. And, and, and we're making light of the seriousness and the calling to follow him. And I'm not saying that you guys make light of it, but our society makes light of it. That's my cross to bear. That's, that's my issue. Instead of actually, we almost, we almost take that my cross to bear as a, as a, as a check mark to, I'm, I'm just going to stay in sin. That's just my cross to bear. I'm like, no, Jesus said, give up your own way and follow me. Give up your own way. And that, that looks a lot of different ways. We don't literally see people get crucified anymore. When we actually see people get crucified, it's usually through overt persecution or covert persecution. We, we say people get crucified on, on the news, like, man, the society's crucifying. Like, we, we, we use this term a lot. But what does it mean to pick up our cross today? What does it mean to lay down your life for God today, because we don't in our in our nation we are so protected that we we really don't know what persecution looks like, and so I'm I'm going to share a story because laying down your life does not necessarily mean that you get killed. The father of modern missions does anyone know his name? The one who set the standard for modern missions across all denominations that went and left everything to another country and he shared the gospel. Do you know who it was? No. He's a father. If you, if you Google the father of modern missions, you'll instantly see his name. But I want you to understand what laying down his life. He lived to be old. He lived to be older. But the father of modern missions, most people would not know his name. He moved to India and started ministering to local people. And he started translating the Bible into local languages. And this is in the late 1700s. And along the way, he was over there for decades. He buried two wives. He buried children. After decades of translating the Bible into just a couple languages, there's thousands of dialects in India. His whole life's work 
the print shop, his like lexicon that allowed him to translate from, from English to the local dialects, all of it burned. All of it burned down. He had to start over after decades. And at the end of his life, his ministry culminated in one convert from Hinduism to Christianity. But he laid down his life. He gave up his own way. If you go back and read his biography, he did not want to go to India. He ran from it. He wanted to stay in England. He was a Presbyterian minister, but his name's William Carey. And he laid down his life. And there are people in this room that have served God faithfully. And you don't have to, I want you to get this. You don't have to be in ministry, a missionary, a pastor, whatever, to be in ministry. If you're working at GM, you are called to be in ministry there. If you're at a hospital, if you're, whatever you're doing, that's your calling. Walk in the grace and the empowerment of that. And because God has anointed you for that. Whatever you find yourself doing, do it as unto the Lord because God will empower you. That's what he's gifted you for. You're called to do that. So lay down your life in that for God. But that following starts with trusting God regardless. Regardless. You know, today... In the place where William Carey's home is, there's a Bible school. And now it trains ministers year in, year out to go out into India. He didn't see that in his lifetime. But there's now a Bible school on the very place where his printing shop burned down. And Bibles are going out by the hundreds and thousands year in, year out. And the language, in the languages in India. He laid down his life though. Don't put parameters on your trust of God. Sometimes we get this idea that when we trust God completely, everything's going to work out for us. It, and it, it does, but in God's way. I guarantee you, if, when we get to heaven, I can't wait to sit down and talk to William Carey, like maybe like a million years into it. I got other people I want to talk to, mainly Jesus. I can't wait to ask him, do you think it was worth it? And he's going to be like, yes, 100%. It's always worth it when we follow God. Trust God regardless. So that was... That was the first tool that will make following God. When Jesus says, follow me, this will make following God so much easier. When you don't put parameters on, or, or, on following him. He's saying, don't do that. Just follow me. He's telling Peter right out the gate, you're going to lose your life. Just follow me regardless. Trust me regardless. That's the first tool that will make walking with God so much easier. And the second tool that he gives Peter is comparison will kill our purpose. You want to follow God? You cannot walk around comparing yourselves to other people. You can't do it. 
You cannot do this. So God is saying, trust me completely, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the outcome, regardless, just trust me, and then don't compare yourselves. Because Peter looks back at John and asks Jesus, what about him? What about this guy? You're telling me how I'm going to guy? And I love how Jesus responds. It's such a boss move. It's such a drop the mic and walk away move. He says, what if I want him to live until I return? What is that to you? You know why? Because Peter had a calling and a purpose individually on his life. And John had a calling and a purpose individually on his life. And if Peter would have continually compared his purpose to John's purpose, if G- he would have missed everything that God wanted to do through him. You know Peter and John become vast of friends. Go read the book of Acts. Everywhere Peter's at, it says Peter and John, Peter and John, Peter and John. They're all together. They're like God's working miracles through both of them. They made each other better. They had different outcomes. They had different callings. But one purpose, the glory of God and how God is going to do glory himself through you is different than how he's going to glorify himself through me. So we can't walk around comparing because it will kill your purpose. If Peter was always over here looking at John's calling and John's abilities and John's, he would have missed the opportunities. He would have been so focused on other things that he would have missed what God wants to do through him. You can compare yourself to someone else's purpose or you can focus on accomplishing your purpose, but you can't have both. You can't have both. God is such a big God that he has a purpose and a plan for each of our lives individually. And he wants to glorify his name through each of our lives individually. So if you want God to glorify himself through your life, you can't walk around comparing your life to someone else's. Well, look what they've done. Look at where they're at. I remember it's almost like that, that when, when we were starting to have kids and stuff, that was kind of like, oh, my, my friends are having kids, and which is not a bad thing because I'm like, I'm ready to have kids whenever you are, Ames. I love kids. But God had to work on Amy's heart through that. I'm not saying she compared, but like that's such a, that's one of those areas that, it can be really detrimental to anyone's life where we're, we're comparing families, we're comparing ministries, we're comparing, you know, God's saying, no, I have a purpose and a plan for you. For you. That's how much he loves you. And it's going to look different than your friends. It's going to look different than your family. It's going to look different than another church. It's going to look different, and that's okay. Because God's purpose and plan for you is so precise and delicately made by God, custom-made, tailor-made for you. How cruel would it have been for God to put 
John's purpose on Peter. Or Peter's purpose on John. Each of them had different qualities that God could use to glorify his name. Comparison will kill our purpose. There is a standard, though, that regardless of who you are, regardless of your purpose, regardless of any of that, there's a standard for which we follow God. And Jesus said it in Luke chapter 9. Give up your own way. Pick up your cross daily. Follow me. If you want to hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. The standard is not found in any other person. You can look at someone's life and say, wow, they're following God really well. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's literally nothing wrong with, with saying, man, I admire. Can I, can I come and talk with you? Like, like, I just, like, how do you study the Bible? There's nothing wrong with that. I've talked to pastors about that. Like, I love how um, people interact with people. And, and I'm almost like, man, you really care for people. I love that. There's nothing wrong with that. And asking those questions I've asked, I've asked Pastor Ben and, and I've, I've asked Andy, like, man, I, I see you deal with your children. I want to see, like, it's so beautiful. They love their kids so beautifully. I want to learn from dads that have been dads longer than I have. There's nothing wrong with that. But then to say, oh, man, they're just so much better than me at everything. At playing guitar, 100%. Both of them, if you put me on a guitar, it just... But comparison kills. I'm not called to play the guitar. I could beat myself up because I can't preach and sing like Pastor Ben. Or I could say, that is a beautiful gift, Pastor Ben. I admire that in you and how God uses that in you. And I want to learn from you as you use your gift. But I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to stay in my lane. Because there's grace in my lane. I don't have grace in this microphone. I don't. I have grace in this microphone. I'm going to stay in my lane. The standard for following Jesus is not found in any one person other than Jesus. If you want to if there's any questions that you need to be asking about, am I following Jesus well? Don't compare yourself to other people. Oh, well, they read the Bible every year. They, they, they read the Bible, the whole Bible once a month. Or, man, they spend five hours in prayer every day. You know, like, they have the availability to do it. You know, whatever. You know, like, not all of us are that. But if you try to measure up to someone else's standard for their life, you're going to be crucifying yourself. And God's like, no, 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 no. No. No, no. The standard is in Jesus. So the questions we need to ask is, am I doing, is, is not, am I doing it as good as them, is, am I giving up my own way? Am I giving up my own way for the king? Am I laying down my life for the king? Am I picking up my cross for the king? 
These are the questions we need to be asking to gauge, are we following well? Jesus gave us two tools that can you follow Jesus and compare yourself to others? Yes, but it's going to be, it's going to make you lightheaded. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to drive you crazy. You might make you pass out just like me blowing on that fire. Or we can use the tools. Can you follow Jesus and not trust him regardless of the circumstance? What does that look like? I'm going to worry. I'm going to worry. I'm going to worry. I'm going to worry. I'm going to worry about everything. I'm going to worry about what's going to happen. I'm going to worry about this. I'm going to worry about my kids. I'm going to worry. You can, but it's going to make walking with Jesus so much harder. It's going to... It's going to be like walking through sand because everything he tells you to do, well, what will they think? Well, how will it, how will it go? And he's just like, no, 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 no. Just trust me regardless and quit comparing yourself to other people. You do these things and it's going to make, you're going to be able to keep in step with the Spirit. You're going to be able to walk at the pace that Jesus wants to walk with you. The cool thing is Jesus will slow down for you when we don't. But I'm telling you, Let's implement these tools. The last lesson that he gives us off the lake of Jacinarat is trust God regardless. Regardless of anything this life has to offer, trust him. And don't compare. Let God work out his purpose in you for him, for your good. That's what he does. He works out his purpose for his glory and your good. And we only see that We only see that when we measure ourselves against him, not against other people. Today, what I want to do in response, I want us to ask some questions. I want want us to ask, Lord, am I trusting you regardless? Am I? And if, if the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not, What I want us to pray is just simply, Jesus, forgive me and help me trust you. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to say, all right, let's go. I would love to. The second question is, Lord, am I comparing my my life, my walk with you, my following with to someone else? Because if I am, I don't, I don't want to. And ask him, Lord, am I comparing? And if if he says yes, who am I comparing or what am I comparing to? And just say, God, forgive me. Help me to measure myself against your standard, not anyone else's. So let's let, let's just stand. Pastor Ben's going to lead us in a song. And I want us to individually ask these questions. Like, I can lead you in a prayer, but it's so much more pointed and powerful when we take time to say it ourselves. We take time to say, God, where, where am I at? And you make it personal. Because I, I need to pray the same thing. Like, it's not like this word applies to you and not to me. No. Every pastor compares. There's a million churches that are doing everything better, right? No. He has a purpose and a plan for this church. And he's going to reach people 
through this church that every other church can't do. So we're going to stick to our lane. So let's take, as Pastor Ben leads, let's ask these questions in all honesty, in humility before the Lord, and say, and, and, and surrender. When you get done, let's celebrate Jesus. Maybe you're like, I'm good. I'm not, I'm, I'm trusting God regardless, and I'm a, uh, I'm not comparing. All right, cool. Let's worship Jesus. So let's let's respond in this way as Pastor Ben leads. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you, yes. And holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder, show me. Open up my eyes and 
There's some family drama and issues and trauma that God is going to interject himself into to bring peace in the next couple days. I'm telling you, just set it on the calendar. Because he loves us. And he doesn't just want to encounter us on a Sunday morning in a set amount of time between 10 and 11.30. He's a God that wants to encounter us throughout the week. He loves you. He loves you. Father, I pray for your church that and those watching online, I pray right now that you will just re- reveal yourself to them in such a glorious way that, that <laughs> they can't help but celebrate. They can't help but glorify your name. They can't help but scream from the rooftops the goodness of our God. And Lord, I pray right now that you will bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance towards him and may they have peace in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're a God that finishes the work. You're a God that finishes what you start. You're a God that finishes what you start. You don't just halfway do things, you finish it. I bind every lie. I bind every false narrative. I bind everything that the enemy's already trying to plant in minds before we walk out of your presence. And I just release your truth, your overwhelming truth over your body, that you're a God that finishes what you start, that you're a God that heals, that you're a God that saves, you're a God that provides, that's who you are. I thank you, Jesus, because you are good. I pray that you will be with your church today and give them opportunities to be the church of the living God to a lost world in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Have a blessed week, guys. I love you.